Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Shift. My name is Ramon, and I'm one of the coordinators for Masculinities in the Mix. You usually hear me in the podcast episodes at the end, but for this episode, I decided to switch things up a bit. Due to some changes at the university as a response to COVID-19, aka the coronavirus, we took a short break to get some stuff sorted out, but now we're back. This episode was recorded back in January, and we were saving it for a special occasion, but what better time than the present, right? Without further ado, here's Danae and Julian and a special episode about colonization and religion in Black and Indigenous communities. We hope you enjoy. Okay, what is up, everyone? Welcome to season two of The Shift. We are back, spring semester 2020. Um, My name is Danae Jackson. I am a coordinator for Masculinities in the Mix. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am joined by... Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Julian Wan. I'm the coordinator, uh, one of the coordinators for Masculinities in the Mix for uh, the Native American Student Affairs. So today our topic is religion and colonization and its effects on masculinity in Black and Indigenous communities. I know, really heavy <laughs> topic today. Oh, and we're definitely excited to begin um, talking or having these conversations about it as well. Absolutely. I think a huge part of our job is talking about masculinity and how it affects like persistence rates. But when we leave race out of the conversation, particularly how colonialism has affected our communities, um, it definitely leaves us short. Yeah, for sure. Um, And especially because like a lot of the work that we do or how we try to tie back with the students is is how they see or how their upbringing within their communities is affected plays a part in in how they um, succeed here in college as well. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I think um, people are really reflective on how they were taught to like be a man or what men's role in their lives are supposed to be from a super young age. So when we start challenging them in college age, that's what they think too, like how their parents have socialized them or their siblings, cousins. Um, A lot of times I think in the black community, we grow up with extended family even. So like a student was telling a story the other day about how He grew up with his cousins, like his older cousins would make his younger cousins and him like fight each other to become more masculine. Like, you know, go beat each other up outside and then go beat up the neighbors, like make each other do that um, just to like prove their masculinity and say that's what boys do. Oh, wow. That's that's intense. Uh (laughs) It is intense. But especially like in our communities, we have such huge family influences that it can be everyone socializing you. Yeah, for sure. And that definitely comes up in conversations like that I have with students and in trying to get them to think more critically about how just these like the socialization within our upbringing, how it can play a factor. I mean, sometimes they can get defensive or they can deflect because it's kind of like I feel like if I'm putting myself in the student's shoes, I'm like, you're kind of attacking the way I was brought up or how my parents or even my grandparents raised me. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I do think that it is hard as a college student to like come here and sometimes you're leaving your family and everything that you know. And then for um, us as professionals or other professors and stuff to like challenge kind of what you know in your foundation that's hard for a lot of college students to grapple with okay well what is the truth and what do I actually believe definitely and I think even like relating that to even my own personal experience like 
I feel like sometimes a lot of like our Native American or indigenous students, we grow up like similar to other communities of color. We grow up with community and it's not just our parents or our siblings. It's it's definitely our extended family. And to leave that support system and come to a university where it's just especially like a predominantly white institution where you just feel isolated and left out. And that's that kind of your upbringing is the one thing that grounds you into like have these conversations where you're challenged to think critically. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely feels like even more isolation or like that piece of you that's grounding you is being like taken away. But it's definitely a great conversation to have because you start unpacking like all these years of socialization or all this um, passed on trauma that, you know, may have been a part of your upbringing, your parents' upbringing, and even your grandparents. Mm, and I think you like hit that right on the money, this passed on trauma, um, especially if we're talking about masculinity, like I remember we were reading this book, Men and Masculinity, and one of the first, I think it was the first sentence, the author who identifies as a man said that he's been committing small acts of soul murder mm -hmm. since he was a boy trying to like conform into what is a boy and then what is a man. Mm -hmm. And especially what you said ties back to what um, the topic is today, which is this passed down trauma. So I think maybe before we dive into that, just disclaiming that we're not necessarily experts on this topic. Mm -hmm. I think as people, like I'm part of the black community, um, Julian is part of the Native American community. So as people with the, these experiences, we have our own experiences that we can bring to this table, but that doesn't mean that this is all of the truth. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think, especially like within our communities and especially like the Native American communities for at least over 500 federally recognized tribes, not including state tribes, we, I do want to like preface like, yeah, the things I'm saying are from my own lens and my own lived experiences as well as the nay. So this is definitely just a conversation in, in how we see the impact of religion and colonization within our own communities and our own experiences. Um, so definitely not here to mm -hmm. step on anyone's toes, but I mean, just to begin to having that conversation, I think is really important in the work that we're going to be doing or that we are doing. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. So kind of diving right in, I want to ask you, have you heard, because I feel like I've heard um, men in particular say this, like if we're talking about patriarchy, mm -hmm. I've heard this kind of cop out of, well, white people taught us this. Mm. I actually... In, in at least the, the conversations that I've been having, that's interesting. I may have, I just can't recall one right now, but I mean, how about, how about for yourself? Mm -hmm. I feel, so especially with, so I've had several conversations with black men who are educated on like systematic racism and things like that. And so they're able to like fluently talk about racism, but when I bring up the concept of patriarchy or intersectionality or just oppression of women in general, it feels like sometimes there's um, hesitation to accept that it is widespread. Mm -hmm. It's not just white folks. And they're saying, well, if black men do this, it's because they learned it from white men and have to navigate this white society in the United States. Mm. So my argument, and I identify as a black woman, um, my argument as a woman is like, okay, well, whether or not it's learned from white folks, which I think we can dive further into that, you, there still needs to be some accountability. Mm. Like you're still enacting this today. Yeah, definitely. 
and not similar in context, but like some similar uh, some similarities when you brought up your example. I do. There seems to be a trend, especially among like Native American men in these conversations, is that when I do bring up the topic of patriarchy or how these systems can really oppress women or even like LGBTQ plus um, folks, a lot of the times they reflect back to their culture and like, well, we were a patriarchal society. And it's like, okay, there's a difference between patriarchy and, and the men leading men being leaders in the, within the tribe and a patriarchal society. And that is what you're doing or what you're learning from however you learned this. Is it truly from your culture or is it from how colonization has influenced what you perceive to be your culture now? Can you explain a little more the difference between having like a patriarchal culture in terms of a tribe versus like in society, like how we know it? Mm -hmm. So I think for like for my tribe specifically in Thonautham, like our tribe culturally is is a patriarchal society where we, our men were usually leaders. Um, they were within the circle making decisions for the betterment of the tribe, but that didn't mean they didn't take into account like the um, the voices of women or the voices of two spirits. That just meant they were there among each other making the decisions, take, incorporating all the views of the tribe and the community. Um, making decisions for the betterment of the community and not men specifically. Mm -hmm. And so there are other tribes, though, that have more of a matriarchal culture, right? For sure, yes. And I think that's the same um, for black folks, like especially in Africa, there were definitely patriarchal tribes and also, and still currently um, there are tribes and also matriarchal tribes as well. And I, I feel like, one of the large differences is that in American society, patriarchy dictates not only that men are like the leaders and make decisions, but they therefore are better for the role that they have. Mm. But I think in more like indigenous tribal context, it's like um, there may be differences in the roles that men have and women have and two-spirit people have, but no one is like better than the other and no one is needed more than the other. For sure. And that's really the conversations that I want to start having like with the students is let's, let's really look back at how our, our tribes and our societies were set up to incorporate that, that um, equity among everyone. And, and just because you were a leader within the tribe, you certainly didn't put yourself above anyone in, I think for myself in, in the leadership roles that I've held in the upbringing and the lessons I've learned, it's like it's not a top down model. As a leader, you put yourself below everyone else because that's your responsibility is to ensure like the safety or the well-being of everyone else. Um, and so in my approach to leadership is that the people, the community are at the top and I'm at the bottom. Um, but I think in more traditional sense that it's cyclical, like you said, like everyone, there was equity among everyone. and. And I think like as we're having these conversations around religion and um, colonization, that's really had an impact in how we view one another. Mm -hmm. I think also bringing up religion and how religion and patriarchy also are intertwined. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we might get ourselves in a little bit of trouble, maybe. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, I, and I'm, I would never say that like, Christianity is wrong or that Christianity is right or mm -hmm. anything like that. But I think that there are definitely pieces of the Bible that promote um, patriarchy and, mm -hmm. and can make justifications for um, why men 
should lead or are better or whatever the case may be. So I think acknowledging that like when white people have colonized and colonized with Christianity, it also brought patriarchy or maybe it was vice versa. I don't know which came first. Yeah. And in the same, like for sure, I definitely, and that's, I think that's the thing I struggle with when having these conversations is that I can't 100% with certainty say this, this, and this, or this was first, especially because a lot of native American tribes are, or um, come from oral tradition. So everything is passed down orally. There's not something we can refer to that says, this is how we were structured or, this wasn't here before colonization or religion, but through these stories, through these sharings, that's how we come to know our past. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, I think, especially with, I don't want to speak for all tribes, but like my tribe specifically with it being, with uh, Catholicism having a huge presence within our tribal communities, I definitely don't want to step on any toes as well. Um, and I for sure respect any person's decision to to really choose what religion they want to follow or what they choose to believe in. But again, taking those pieces that are used to subjugate or to really create this inequality. Because again, we look at like things like the Bible. We're told this is the word of the Lord, but mm-hmm. it was ultimately written by men. Mm-hmm. And in the past, the Bible has been used to justify a lot of messed up stuff. Mm-hmm. Including slavery and colonization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like even for like our tribe, you know, I think it was the Catholic Church that really said, you know, we were savages and we, they had the right through religion to colonize us because we were seen as lesser than. Um, right. So, like, they needed white people. They needed Christians to, like, save them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. Um, but I don't know. Like, what is what has been your experience with religion in, in the black community? So I think it's especially interesting when um, religion is you, and this is definitely not just in the black community, but since we are specifically talking about it, I think it's interesting when religion is used for hate. Um, so like hate against LGBT community. And especially when we know that white people, slave masters, gave black people Christianity, made them practice Christianity. We know that and we know we had our own religions in um, Africa where we came from. So I always think it's just interesting because especially in like Southern black culture, like Southern Baptist um, is really prominent and like religion is culture. And it's very much centered, but I just have a problem with when it's used to like exclude others or put other people down um, or just like kind of create additional hierarchy when that's when like the Bible was used as a as a justification for slavery against black people too, like the whole servants and like serving thing, all of that in the Bible was used to justify um, slavery. So I have a hard time sometimes when people are like so steadfast to it, knowing that our roots are in other places. And I also think it's interesting, like 
people will really talk negatively about um, religions that resemble like voodoo or like different types of spiritual religions. But that's also like part of our roots as well. And like we only call those like Satan worshiping because of white people who wanted us to be Christians. So like how do how have we just decided that um well maybe that's flippant because it was through slavery and indoctrination and colonization that that Christianity was like given to black folks but to just like say Christianity is right period and like all of it is right period um I think is a lot. Mm-hmm. No, and I definitely agree with all the points that you made. Um Especially because when I think about it and I think of my own upbringing, I think religion can be beautiful. But when people choose to use it to weaponize or move their own agendas forward is where it gets really problematic. And I even see like people within my own community who use it to justify, like you said, to justify hate, to justify like, I just don't like this person because they don't agree with what my religion says, how they should live their life. But yet, within the same context, like we're t- within religion, we're told to love one another, to treat each other as equals, mm-hmm. and so there's this. It's like picking and yeah. choosing. And it's like you can't. How how can you look anyone in the face and be like, "I'm a devout religious person, but I'm only choosing X, Y, and Z from my religion, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm gonna follow." Mm-hmm. Well, that also just goes back to what you said that like the Bible was written by man and or by humans and has been used in whatever way the people practicing the Bible wanted to use it. Like white people didn't have to say like, I mean, there was like a a convergence of interests there that they had the Bible and they also wanted land and they also wanted people to work the land. So like might as well use the Bible. to You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And again, like I think just adding this preface, like if you're listening to our listeners, we're definitely not attacking anyone's religious beliefs, but just the way people use it to set their own agenda. Um, But I want to touch back to how you, um, the point you brought up about, the how the how religion sometimes others different religions and mm-hmm. different religi- religious practices um and it's so interesting and i keep going back to my community because that's where that's the lens i'm speaking from but for us where where we have medicine people where we use things that are from the land to provide healing to to do our ceremonies all these things for our people and and i've kind of as i've thought more critically and as I've like expanded my lo- my knowledge I look back in a lot of what the Catholic Church has done is kind of integrate some of our tribal our culture our tribal our cultural practices into Catholicism and so for us like as a people you know we were runners um we did pilgrimages and now we have one that is kind of traditional we use things like we make we'll make walking sticks from the tree and we'll incorporate um, like ribbon, which are, are mostly traditional for us, but we'll use it to go on a pilgrimage for um, Father Kino, who brought Catholicism to our tribe. And that's why we have this huge white church in Santa Vier. Mm. And it's so interesting to see that marriage. And and again, like I think religion can be beautiful and it can be used to bring people together. And that's an example where I see it. But again, other parts of religion that are being picked and cho- chosen from, I think it's it's just, it's very interesting to me. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. It's really interesting. I had an experience that I was so privileged to be part of. I um, went to Brazil on this alternative spring break trip with UConn. Shout out the home team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we learned a lot about this religion called Candomblé, which is a mixture of religion from Africa that a lot of the slaves were brought there with um, some indigenous Brazilian religion, spiritual practices, and Christianity. And I think, like, in the United States, maybe there's some influences, like, in New Orleans, there's, like, voodoo and hoodoo and some things like that. But other than that, we really, really lost a whole lot through the process of slavery. And the same happened in Brazil, but Brazil, I don't know, I didn't know this, I don't know that most people know this, that Brazil had like 15 times the amount of African slaves brought there than we did here to the U.S. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think because of just the sheer number, they were able to kind of hold on to some of the, some more African practices than we were here. And so there's just like really this disconnect um, in the U.S. between black Americans and Africans. But I agree. I think when there is that mixture, it can be beautiful. But also is it really beautiful because should it actually be a mixture? Because mm-hmm. like why did white people have to put in their mm-hmm. stuff anyway. Exactly. No, I definitely <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> and no, it, it definitely, I mean, I think it's so, I mean, I can just, honestly, the word I can, that keeps coming to mind is just interesting. Um, because I think for myself in this new role and being able to kind of have these conversations, um, I think of one conversation I had with our uh, grad assistant, Nick Wilson, over at NASA, So Nick was using, has been looking within his research at how just the world is framed from our creation stories and how it's framed from religious, like Adam Mm. and Eve and how, how, what Nick shared with me, which was, I think really super eye-opening is that when we look at Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve, Eve was kind of made, God made Adam and Eve Earth. was made from Adam. Mm-hmm. And so kind of creating hierarchy right off the bat. Mm. If you choose to see it that way. Mm. Because also, not to interrupt. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, but also, like, so I'm Jewish mm-hmm. and come um, from, like, I have some Jewish education. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, God made Adam from Earth. Mm-hmm. But also, God looked at Adam and was like, well there's like something missing Mm -hmm. and so god created eve from yes adam's rib Mm -hmm. but also just from him from Mm -hmm. god and so jews actually believe that women in hierarchy are closer to god Mm -hmm. and that's why men wear the kippah the yarmulkes Mm -hmm. to remind them that they're under god and women don't But but then in their religious <laughs> practices, though, do they really practice that? Like, mm. do they actually practice that women are closer to God? I don't know. We could argue <laughs> about that. Like, probably not. Mm. Um, but just throwing that in there. No, and yeah, I mean, and this is where we can see that, not disconnect, but that kind of how different religions will set up the story, kind of. And so anyway, I mean, like, that's, I definitely appreciate that. And that's, that's kind of beautiful, too. Right. Um, but again, like, is it is it present in how we practice our religion? 
No, because mm. patriarchy, like what, like what men would want to say, what man with power would want to actually say, oh no, women are closer to God. Like let's actually worship them and like make, <laughs> not necessarily worship, but like let's actually give them that credit. Yeah. Oh my God. And I didn't even know that. So I definitely thank you for bringing, bringing that up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just kind of backtracking to, to what Nick was sharing is kind of like how we see for those that like most are familiar with that story of Adam and Eve and how they were kind of tossed out as punishment and to kind of leave like the garden and live on earth as a punishment versus how, how most indigenous stories are that we, we don't come from one world. We kind of move up and this is kind of in many religions. I mean, many cultural stories and especially mine is that we came up from the earth after moving through a lot of, Indian uh, cultural stories there's more than one more than two worlds sometimes four mm. and that this is kind of our paradise and that mm. this is this is ultimately we come again like many stories we come from the land but we're not here as a punishment we're here mm. to experience the world and all the beauty and and all the things that our creator like made for us oh my gosh i think that like that difference between the way that Native Americans view the earth and view where they come from versus um, how like Christians and white people, whatever, may view the earth and where we come from, where they come from, I think really describes and illuminates how we have treated the earth mm. and how like even to bring back some Bible influences in there. Like I remember reading this book, Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, and it changed my life. And one of the things I got from it was like, the Bible says that God created like heavens and earth and animals and all of that stuff. And then created humans to enjoy the earth mm -hmm. and to use the earth and to rule the earth. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, we can do whatever we want to it because it was made for us. Mm -hmm. Like we see the end of the creation story as humans. And I don't know that that's necessarily truth, um, that we're the end all be all. But also if we have that mentality, then since we're ruining it, because we're ruining the, yeah. the planet, it's like fine because it was made for us. Mm. God will create a new one for us because we're the end all be all of the universe. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and... And definitely, we can definitely see and have these these conversations around religion, and and I think the most helpful thing, especially for those of us that have been influenced by religion and colonization, is if we're able to, if we're privileged to be able to kind of track down our stories and 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 our roots and where we come from, and kind of see that difference and really think critically about it. I think we're able to more be more ready to really have these conversations of is religion and colonization. Or how has religion and colonization really impacted our communities? Right. And patriarchy being one of those mm -hmm. things for sure to like dig into and unpack and like to what extent is patriarchy justified by religion at some points? Things like that. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Just shout out to Nick Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Give credit where credit's due. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. So we definitely want to thank you all for tuning in. We really hope that our conversation has helped you kind of, we hope it helped you in some way agree with us or disagree with us. It's perfectly fine. But we just wanted to give this opportunity to really have a conversation about how these different things have really impacted our communities. Um, shout out to our producer, Forty Ramon. Um, woo, woo. 
we're really excited to be back. And like Danae shared, we're really excited for what 2020 is going to bring for us. Um, so thank you for tuning in. And we'll hear from you all next time. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Shift. You can follow us on Instagram at ShiftingUA, where we will be posting updates and other great content. You can also reach out to us with questions at uofamoc at gmail.com. We hope to release new episodes in the next few weeks, so stay tuned to our Instagram for further updates. See you soon.